Welcome to No Shame in the Home Game, the podcast that cares how your home feels, not looks. I'm Lacey, your co-host in learning, here with Sarah, your co-host in, in teaching. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Lacey. I am teaching, and I'm also always learning, which I love. I keep yeah. learning so I can keep teaching. So it's a whole evolution revolution. The best way to learn is to teach. I know I've told you multiple times, talking about this stuff and thinking about this stuff has changed the way that I work in my household of like, that doesn't matter. We don't really care about that. And and even just talking with my kids. So absolutely. I agree. I hope our listeners go out and spread the good word too. <laughs> spread the good word and the joy. The no shame, but the joy ripple. Yes. Today we have our uh, final installment of Sarah's story. Our listeners will get to hear from Alex again next week, but we're going to come back to Sarah today. I don't know if proud's the right right word or excited. I just loved hearing from Sarah. And we hear from her after her husband is able to start moving again and, and hearing things. And man, I just really enjoyed this conversation with her. Yeah, I am. I'm always in awe of Sarah about how She's willing to share all the truths, not just the pretty truths, all the truths in the hope that other people feel comforted. So that's always amazing. And we mentioned, I think, in the first episode that she I said she's like a delicate flower, her body, but her spirit is like the toughest steel you've ever imagined. And I knew she'd come through this because she is tough as steel. But I was yes, I was also glad to hear how well she made it through. We do get a pretty decent ending. And I put ending in quotes because there are no endings here. We are constantly updating how we interact and our homes need to run. But I think one of my favorite things is hearing from her the things she's going to keep doing because that shows growth for her and her family. And I think some Hopefully that they're climbing out of the ladder that is the life hole that has been their life for the past year. The life hole. And also on that note of ending being the relative term, it's yeah. And hopefully the next time something happens, fingers crossed, nothing else happens, but she's got some tools in her toolbox. And for anyone listening who has had the fortune fortunate experience to not experience any of these situations, yeah. <laughs> realizing how good it is to have a plan, a backup plan, an alternative plan, oh crap plan, break glass in case of emergency plan. And yeah, so it's great that she was able to incorporate some that worked for her and know that she has other ones available if and when she ever needs them again. So Absolutely. all good stuff. All right, yeah. let's jump in here from Sarah for the final part of her journey with us. We're really excited to hear how things turned out for you, what worked, what didn't, and also just to check in on the saga of your life because you got a lot happening. Yeah, and stuff got added to the plate since we last spoke. I developed a violent and very painful tooth infection point along the way and my 11 year old broke his wrist uh the night after fifth grade graduation i I laugh because i that's how you should you should (laughs) we wait i have to tell bc we have this place here it's like urgent care but specifically for bones and joints okay and it's the running joke that she should have a frequent flyer punch card yep because they actually know her when she comes in. <laughs> yeah. Yep, it's true. Yep, so we that's where we went to deal with the broken wrist. So, yep, the cast comes off in a week. And you were counting on him for some of that, like, physicalness, too. What a... I was, but he's been a rock star. He's worked oh, around fun. the cast like a rock star. So, yeah. And how is your tooth now? Is it? I am awaiting a root canal this week. On the upside, apparently after the worst four days of pain I've ever experienced, really saying something for someone who has a genetic pain condition, the nerves all died, which they said is the exact process that happens. All your pain goes away as you await treatment. I don't know. Yeah. 
Yep. And tell the listeners where your husband is and his leg journey. About a week ago, he got cleared to walk and to drive. And so that was great. That was great. His driving is very helpful. He still has a full-time job, but even the occasional camp pickup or store run is helpful. And him being able to drive is very mentally helpful. So that's huge. But I'm curious, can he walk? Because you were describing the muscle atrophy of not having used a leg for how many weeks has it been? Two months, I think. So eight weeks. Yep. So can he walk? It has to be with a brace and there's still a lot of limping and he's not allowed much bending. So it's very limited in its scope, but he can stand and unload a dishwasher or he can hobble up the stairs. Yeah, baby steps. It's a slow recovery. And so between the last time we talked and now, how did things go with the kitty litter? Speaking of stairs. Okay, so yeah, Everett and I have been doing the kitty litter and that has been fine. I'm as low-key and neglectful as I've always been with the kitty litter. I just change it in one fell swoop. I would like to tell you there's like scooping and all the things, but there's not. It just goes until it gets bad enough. We did have one little incident where he felt so confident he could get that bag down the stairs himself. And I let him try and it went exactly as worst case scenario as you could envision. So that was a real bummer. (laughs) Point of clarity for me. So coming down. So that was the used kitty lip. Okay. Yeah. Sure was. He was. Yeah. Yeah. We have brooms and vacuums and we moved to it. Do you want to let him try? Oh, yeah. No. And they, and if you keep saying no, they just keep wanting to try. So, what is the system that works for that? We started adding less kitty litter so that the weight of the used bag would be small enough for me to get down the stairs by myself. Oh, okay. Without hurting myself. Awesome. Because the boxes are like, oh my gosh, I don't know. Some of them are huge. They're like 30 pounds or something. Yeah, 40 pounds, something crazy. Yes. So how are you getting them up the stairs? He can do that because it's a box and all 60 pounds of him can just cradle the box and hike it up the stairs. So yeah, he's my muscle despite being such a little nugget. That's pretty awesome. Good for him. I love that. Let's talk about food was a big one. I have to go. It either I don't have great revelations in food outside of camp lunches. So as far as dinner, we just tried our best. There's rest a couple restaurants here that do like certain takeout nights where it's a, a meal to go for your family and it's honestly less than probably you could make it yourself. So we leaned into that. We just, I continued my journey of not feeding people dinner and pointing them to the pantry. And yeah, so there were no necessarily great breakthroughs in dinner. We did have a breakthrough in lunches. So our school district has had free lunches for the last two years because of COVID. And that is over now. And so I thought, okay, I'm going to use summer camp as a re-entry into school lunches. So that they pack their own lunch. It's really just a reset button. They haven't taken a lunch in two years. As all parents know, it's easier to start a new system from scratch than to change a system. I have always been so resistant to individual serving size things because I just feel so eco-guilty about it. Because my brain's always, oh, why buy the little packages of mandarin oranges when I can buy a big can and we can put them in Tupperware? And... I just decided like I had to get over that, just had to get over that. So yeah, so I went to the grocery store. I bought all kinds of food. We have a whiteboard. So every week when I replenish the food for them to make their lunches, I make a little list. It's everything we have. This is everything we can make. You can make a PB&J and a turkey sandwich. Here's all your main food stuff. And over here's all your... We have chip bags. We have goldfish bags. We have mandarin oranges. And so I just direct them to the whiteboard every morning and they pack their own lunch. And it's been going amazing. And there's been zero resistance. And we'll just blow it right into the fall when school starts and they have to pack their own lunch. 
I think that's, I think when you said there were no big revelations, I think that's huge. Oh, you, yeah, the, again, like I'm high, I'm like, I'm taking a big yellow highlighter and saying that's huge. You empowered your kids. You gave them the tools. And I love that it's like this make your own. And this is what you have. This is what you can do. Choose your own adventure. I don't care. But I, and I think that's a great example of doing something for a kid, having the kid do it all themselves. And then that in between of, I'm going to support you doing it for yourself. And now they're learning those life skills. And I could see Charlotte, especially with the neurodiversity growing up and her coming home from the grocery store and making her own little lifts like that. So she knows that's a great life skill that you just taught your kids. I think that's I think it's genius. Yeah. And we've been transitioning that into I decided to build off of that. And I thought each one of them could handle Eventually, not right now, one dinner a week. So my husband taught our 11-year-old how to make scrambled eggs. And he thought that was the greatest thing in the entire world. Excellent scrambled egg maker. So I said, buddy, just add some toast and that now would equal a dinner. You can make dinner for the family. And then last night, it's been taught our daughter how to make salmon, which is, everybody likes it. And it's crazy simple. I just bought the green beans that you steam in the bag. By the way, I think we spoke about this before. I literally didn't even know it could be that easy. Both my husband and I have Italian moms. And so everything was from scratch all the time. And that's absolutely still where my head lives. It doesn't even occur to me that easier avenues exist until I go to someone's house. And then I'm like, oh, wow, look what you just did there. Which is a great example of good, better, best. Your Italian moms were doing the best version, which is awesome, but was not within your reach. And you're like, yeah, bagged green beans is good enough. But (laughs) yeah. And so I just thought I bought salmon and a bag of green beans and he showed her, okay, the three of us like this spice and you like no spice. So off this part. I mean, it's literally throw it in the oven for 12 minutes and hit two minutes on the microwave and now you have dinner. And she was so excited. I said, okay, tomorrow we're going to have tacos. I'm going to teach you both how to do that. I said, because like I said, moving forward, when we're ready to implement, you're each going to have one night of dinner a week. It can absolutely be the same thing every week. That is perfectly fine. But I want you to just have a couple items that you know how to do. I just want to say in the beginning of this conversation, you were like, Oh, I'm still just pointing people to a pantry. But I think I'm rich with you downplaying that because I one of the things we talked about in the first episode was that you your household is split. Half want a meal, half don't care. Yeah. And it sounds to me like you're finding out a really happy medium to keep both that we you're like now. working towards that place. Yeah. Yeah. So I think. It got easier a week ago once Brian started walking. So I think before that, it was more pantry pointing. <laughs> and now that he's walking, it's just eased up just enough of the burden that I could say, can you go teach Charlotte how to make salmon and green beans? I bought all the stuff. It's all on the counter. You don't have to remove, really, but can you just walk her through it? So yeah, just having that burden ease a little has opened up the door. And to take, I just want to build off of that, especially for listeners, it's the chunking down aspect. Okay. You said all the ingredients are on the counter. You did that first chunk. Here mm-hmm. it is. It's I always envision when they do those cooking shows and it's just like, yeah, it's really easy when everything's laid out and measured for you. Right? You did that first step. It's on the counter. And then it's chunking. It's just, this is the salmon. That's one. And then the green beans. And then you can layer in. You if she didn't want to cook rice, but let's say Everett wanted rice and you have a rice cooker, then you that chunk goes to Everett to just dump the rice in the water in the rice cooker, right? And so it's chunking down the different aspects because maybe Charlotte one day feels overwhelmed and only wants to do the salmon. And it's like, then maybe you can do the green beans, Sarah. Mm-hmm. So again, it doesn't have to be it's all on one person's shoulders. You pulled it out for her. And so again, just that chunking aspect. Nice. Yeah. I love that. I like that little, you just had a little shimmy of your shoulders of confidence. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, we are doing good. All right. I will tell you the biggest revelation of 
all of this. So we had talked about using the kid's desire for money because they're 11 and 13, so they want things. Harnessing that to maybe get help around the house. Um, So I had two really big revelations about this. One that I think is so universal for all parents. The first one was this, it was the less happy realization about you just have to accept the way something is and stop trying to be it to be different right now for my kids don't know if that's everyone's kids i don't know if this will get better i can't effectively no matter how much i pay them point to something and say go do this for money they just it just is there's too much resistance they don't want to do it however if i say i have the block timer we're gonna, we set it to 30. At the end of this 30 minutes, I'm going to give you $5 and we're doing it together. Then they will do anything I ask if we're doing it together. If they don't feel alone, it clearly did not feel like a chore. So I did 30 minutes with one kid and then 30 minutes with the other kid. And it was great. And it was great also because I didn't have to plan ahead. I could just look around whatever room we were in or whatever floor we were on. And I could just game out. These are the five things that need to happen in here. And I could just be like, okay, now you're going to empty the trash or now you're going to do this. or And then I would work alongside them. So I very much wish I could just be like, go do your weekly chores. But that's just not, wouldn't work for us right now or hasn't. And I, I love that you have that clarity and I love that you're sharing it. And I hope that resonates with some listeners, because as we said from the beginning, this is not a one size fits all because of what you just said. As much as you wish you could point at something and say, do this for five dollars, you keyed in on they want to do it together. They don't want to be alone. They want to do it together. And so you found a way to harness that. It's not unfolding the way you ideally wanted to. But stuff is getting done. And again, helping people, I would say sometimes I come in and people are like, I've tried it. It didn't work. And I'm like, we tried it one way. There's other ways to approach something. Let's try it a different way. So I love that you didn't just walk away and go, they're not motivated by money. So it's all over. You like you came at it from a different angle, which is. Yeah. And so I think that will be a mental shift for my husband and I moving forward. Just the mental shift of. Yeah, obviously, every parent in America would like to be like, clean your room. I'll even pay you to do it. And then an hour later, there's a clean room. But that's just not where we're at for whatever reason. And so we just need to stop wishing it would be that way and just work with what is. And what is that? That they work great with buddies. It's funny. I actually had a memory right there that I hadn't had in a while, which was from my childhood. In the summertime, we woke up to a list of chores. We had swim team at at 12 or 11, we had some between 11, and we had to do chores from we woke up to 11. And we did them independently. Remember it feeling very lonely. Mm-hmm. I was probably a little bit younger when I'm having this memory. I was probably more like seven or eight. But I remember thinking like, yeah, if I was doing it with my mom, it felt easier than sitting in a bathroom by myself, scrubbing the counter. It just felt, it felt like punishment. Yes, it, and I don't- more, want it yeah. to feel that way because like you said they need these skills for life you ha- you have to put your living quarters back for the rest of your life or two days ago my son clearly needed to clean his room um, but I didn't want to help too much just to preserve my body abilities so I just put I stood in here and I put on a Spotify playlist of fun dance music and I just danced around and would guide him to be like oh there's garbage over there and oh get the dirty laundry. So we were still doing it together, but I didn't have to use my spoons of my body resources. That is, I'm like genius. I want to give you one of those adulting stickers that says, I ha- I hacked this parenting stuff. I'm a genius. <laughs> I think that's, I think those, I think you made some huge revelations from this and I'm so excited that you're sharing it. Sarah and I are hard at work in creating the Home CEO course. If you are interested in the Home CEO course and potentially being one of our founding members, you can go to noshameinthehomegame.com, Home CEO, and sign up for the waitlist to be notified as soon as it goes on sale. That's noshameinthehomegame.com backslash Home CEO.
I keep track of so many different things, whether it's from the middle, no shame in the home game, all of the different business ventures that are part of those things. And I also keep track of a lot of things in our household from things that we need to repair and do and flows, all of that stuff. And the thing that I use to do all of that is Notion. Notion is this amazing blank slate where you build your own app and database depending on what you need. They have some amazing templates to help you get started. But once you get in there and start using it, you see how things work and come together. And it is magic and easy and beautiful. It's like a to-do list meets a database with workflows. And then you can even get AI right into Notion to help you come up with words when words are hard, because let's be honest, they are. We have a link for Notion to help you potentially. If you go to noshameinthehomegame.com backslash N-O-T-I-O-N, you can get a link into Notion and potentially sign up for a plan. They do have free plans and paid plans. If anything, go get a free plan because it is so cool and you'll fall in love like me and become a notion advocate. So I'll tell you my biggest chore revelation, which I, it's biggest in the sense that I think it extrapolates out to all parenting related things. So I very much embrace gray area. Problem is so frequently my brain doesn't it doesn't occur to me that there can be gray area in certain things regarding chores. So I feel like ever since my kids were born, I have read a billion articles about, do you pay your kids for chores? Yes, here's why you should. No, here's why you shouldn't. Every family seems to have an opinion on this. I honestly don't have a strong opinion either way, or I do in both ways. I don't know. But because we were in this season of needing to just make things work, and pivot, it occurred to me like, oh my gosh, this is totally gray area. And so I felt like, I don't know, man, I'll pay you when I'm desperate. And sometimes you're a member of the family and I'm not going to pay you. And that is just the way it is. Empty the dishwasher. No, I'm not paying you for this. Help me clean the living room. I'm desperate. I'll pay you for this. And it was such a revelation because I read all the time. I think about parenting stuff. I have never once read or heard or seen someone say, I don't know, man, pay them sometimes, don't pay them other times. Who cares? This is not life or death. You just have to get stuff done sometimes. And sometimes you need a motivation carrot. And sometimes it's, I don't know, buck up. You live here, man. I'm not your maid. Make it happen. We do not need to come to some global conclusion about parenting that's like a bunch of nonsense magazine stuff that does not exist in reality. And honestly, it has worked amazing. I have never gotten pushback. Sometimes I'm like, empty the dishwasher. No, you're a contributing member of the household. Just empty it. And then sometimes I'm like, I have our block timer, 30 minutes. I'll pay you five bucks. Let's do it. I like want every parent to know that can be a gray area. I think that is actually the law of supply and demand. You, you like not a global market, but the family market. Mom, it's actually mom's desire and desire for fulfillment market. Okay. Some days you're like, dude, you're part of the family. It's just going to happen. There's no option. Other times like you, you wanting it more, like your levels are changing, which is then changing that output level. So in a way your kids are, the value of things changes in life like things you buy, right? Like yes. there's, there's variability. I think that makes a lot of sense that you're like, no, nope, right now this is worth $5 to me. That's what it's worth. And the kid gets to decide if it's worth $5 to them. Yeah, yeah. So it's been, again, it's been great because I had never even heard that as a concept. We just stumbled across it as a concept and it immediately made me wonder, oh my gosh, what else in parenting world is like this? Because again, if you talk to someone I just feel like people speak in such definitives about, oh, the children in my house pack their own lunch. Oh, I pack all their lunches for them. They would just pack Cheetos. Or it can be like, oh, no, man. Sometimes I try to have them pack their lunch and sometimes we're running late and I pack it. It just opened my mind of, oh, what else did it, has it not occurred to me could be a gray area can be. I would think that it's like that most places. 
people just are not willing to say it out loud, which is part of the reason why we have this. Of Yes, I try to be a judge I can, but of course I yell. It happens. I, and I just I don't think it's realistic to say that you do this one thing all the time in a house where people are living and becoming people. They're not machines. They're, we're not and machines. Honestly, I think that's been my biggest struggle as a parent is what you said. I think people speak and claim one thing, not at all out of malice, but just out of, I don't know, brevity of words or whatever. And then the reality is different. And it's that's just not how my brain works. Like my brain only speaks in like absolute truth, which is why yeah. all my grocery store interactions are so awkward. This literally happened four days ago. I was at a funeral. I saw someone I had not seen in, swear to God, 15 years. And of course, it was like, who are you? And I go, good. And then immediately I go, wait, no, I'm not. I take that back. I'm sorry. I'm not good. Last year has really sucked. I just want to be honest with you. Because my brain just can, I like, I can't lie. Like, my, I just can't do it. And other people's brains can. And again, I do not think it's out of malice or anything terrible. But I need people who speak in truths. And so I need people to not tell me, my kids do weekly chores and they pack their own lunches unless they literally mean that's happening all the time. Wait, because... I I want a shirt. I just thought of a shirt or a hat for you. That's like warning. It's like a it's like a roadside. It's like warning, like radical truth coming your way. And people only approach you if they like you make them read the sign and you're like, okay, we're on the same page. Okay. I'm not pretending it here. Like this is all gonna be truth. <laughs> yes. Yes. Which I told you either in the last podcast or privately, which is what people have very specific reactions usually to me as a human being or a friend either they're very all in or they're very no thank you this is way too intense hey so i just want to say though this i've been thinking a lot today specifically about this need to edit so like i've started doing morning pages from the artist's way yeah julia and the big thing is that you're supposed to do these morning pages and not edit it's just a word flow and today i had this realization of oh shit I edit so unconsciously, I am doing it without thinking about it. I just started thinking about my life of, oh my gosh, I am constantly editing myself down or like say all out. And so I just, as we're talking about this, I'm like, people are editing out while they do it three out of the four weeks or except for the week of 4th of July, which was chaos for everybody because of where the holiday felt. Nobody's saying that. Instead, they're just editing out all of the unsavoriness to have it look like a perfect story. And honestly, you- I think that's my pain point in life that other people are doing that unconsciously and that they are unconsciously making me feel alone yeah. because I'm just believing whatever mm-hmm. they say. And it so doesn't match my reality that I there just feels like these big gulfs of difference so one, I wanted to just say, I love that you shared that and you were vulnerable and open and that's the curtain going behind the door. It's let's talk about the nitty gritty, like what's really happening. Yeah. And part of me starting this business was like, where do you learn how to manage a home? You read a magazine and it's wash your pillows and like dust your dust your baseboards once a week. And it's but what if I don't? Like what's, what's the other, what's the option for reality? Not ideally. Like where's that magazine? Yes. When you were talking about editing, like what people present, I think of that episode. Have you seen Parenthood? Do you remember? Oh, you've never seen Parenthood? No, I haven't. I've seen two thirds of the way through. So emotionally, it can be really emotionally intense. And I'm so empathetic that my brain's, no, I can't do this. So my husband couldn't watch it because it's like we're going from our own lives and then we're just watching it on the screen. I want to escape from our own lives. (laughs) Oversimplification. There's this one character who it seems like she's quote unquote perfect. The sun is always shining. Everything's always clean. Blah, blah, blah. Kids, I can't remember. And one of them has autism. And then at one point, somebody comes over to her for parenting advice because she's at her wit's end and she's she has it all figured out. I'll ask her. That character, the perfect, quote unquote, perfect one, had taken some marijuana edibles. And so her filter was 
off. So this other mom is coming to her for advice. And she's like, I'd love to tell you about this incentive program. And she's all she's all stowed out of her mind. I'd love to tell you how scripted and how perfectly executed she goes. She pulls out this big container of candy. She goes, I bribe him. I bribe him <laughs> every day for everything. She's like a Twizzler if he puts his shoes away. She's M&Ms if he, wash, if he takes a shower. She's I bribe him. And it was like, again, like you were saying, it was like that filter because she was high just came Thanks. off and she was just authentic. And yeah, I love that you're sharing that because yes, what, what people actually do versus what they present. I think as a societal conditioning, so I'm not mad at individuals. No, me neither. I, I think it came from, this is me totally geeking out because I love to think of co- big concepts. So how you managed your home back in Victorian days was a reflection of how godly you were. So the cleaner your home, the better it was, the closer to God. So it became this very not just a social status, but am I going to heaven? Oh, completely. And then as you go forward from Victorian times and you think of that Mad Men 1950s era and you think of good housekeeping. Oh, I've got to vacuum my curtains. Oh, I've got it. Right. And everyone's trying to adhere to the same standard from this magazine. And, And so people, again, that association that I actually think when they talk about like generational trauma, I think women have ingrained in their DNA this generational trauma of keeping a house. It should look a certain way because Mm -hmm. it's almost as if our humanity is at question if things aren't perfect. We edit ourselves naturally so that we are accepted by what we think society wants from us. I don't know. That's my deep dive. Yeah. And I just I don't resonate with that. And yeah, it's like I said, that's what makes me feel alone, I think, in the world is when people present that. And yeah. And I'll give you a very awkward grocery store run in. Lacey and I said in our first episode, we talked about who is this for? And like the people who picked up Marie Kondo and tried to read it and then put it down. Finding our band of misfits. Like this show is not for people who want to color coordinate absolutely every single thing in their house. This is for people just trying to figure out, like, how do I eat my food in my fridge before it goes bad? And if it does go bad, like, best way to clean it. Basically, we're not looking for perfection. We're not even going to get close to that end of the spectrum. Like, we are looking for the people who, like you said, are going to be honest about, like, Oh, yeah, I have this bag of lettuce that has turned into liquid because it's been in there so long. (laughs) Let's be honest about that stuff. And I will say we talked before about what are the non-negotiables in your house? What do you prioritize? And I said, for me, mine was kindness and mental health. I don't want a house that's angry and I don't want a house that's tense and I don't want a house where I'm yelling at my kids because they have one childhood and we're in it and there's one chance. And for me, the best way to do that is whatever I can do to make my own mental health. I will help them. And Sarah, you've talked about in the past how one of the main reasons you can't compare your home or yourself to other people is chronic illness or not. Everyone has a finite amount of energy and sanity. And so if they have a Marie Kondo Smithsonian level museum house, there's other things that aren't happening, whether it's frugality or sanity or whatever. It's not your business to know. It's just your business to remember that it all, all the stress or whatever squeezes out somewhere. There's no such thing as everyone hitting peak on all the levels. I, I wish more people would prioritize the mental health of their homes as opposed to the way they because we have been able to maintain that through this brutally terrible season. Well, I'm glad you said that because people listening, that is the movement here. Yeah, That is the movement. How do you want your home to feel? How do you want the people in your family to go out into the world? That's the question. I do want to add, I, I was having a conversation with my mom yesterday or the other day about the podcast. And she was like, I still don't know how you're going to do it. It's like when you can't see anything. And I'm like, mom, that's the point. 
you can't see anything. You have to rely on the narration from the people living it in their house because that's going to tell you about it. And what I'm really enjoying from you right now, Sarah, I can see you letting go of some of those things. And I can also see you being like, oh, we're setting up this system for because you've talked about two different systems that you're setting up for the future to make your life easier. And I think that's awesome that you're starting to see those opportunities and you're not worrying about them being done. That's a good point that you made to your mom, though, that the doing this in a podcast format as opposed to a television format, say, really does allow you to focus on, A, how things feel, which is the whole point, as Sarah just said, and B, how to drop the facade. Because honestly, if you saw my first floor, our, you would assume our mental health is much worse than it is because it's very rough down there. There are dishes aplenty, but our mental health is good and people aren't getting yelled at. So you'd almost infer the inverse if you could see the house. I like that you said that too. I was thinking of my own home. And when I tell people my work, one of the biggest educational pieces and my house is not perfect. People assume that when they come in my house, it's going to be like this picture perfect. And I'm like, like you said, no, because that's not my that's not my value for my home. If I wanted my house, we found like a balance point, right? So between how I want my house to look and the other people living in my house, how much they care. Like if I wanted it to be look more, they're just going to start to resent me a little bit more and there's going to be more tension. They would rather do nothing. I shouldn't say nothing. A lot less than what I asked them to do. But we found a happy medium between the areas of the home that makes me comfortable what I'm willing to let go, they're willing to do. Because I would rather us laugh at the end of the day than be arguing about the house. Because we could argue to the cows come home and I'm not interested. Yeah, I'm on page. I'm on the same page with you. I was thinking of all the stuff that we were saying. I wrote down a little note. Ideal solutions are for ideal situations, which I I don't know if that's going to resonate with anyone. So much of this, you were saying, if your kids really are packing, their, if that's the truth, tell me. It's like, then yeah, maybe that's an ideal situation going on with energy and time and money and all the things. But even if your situation's ideal for a certain amount of time, it won't on. stay that way because it's life. Come on. So really, this podcast is like for the less, like the non-ideal life avenue that we all end up on. You're a business owner who cares more about people than profits, although you still want to make some money, of course. And that can feel mighty lonely. That's why I created Feminist Founders, a podcast that explores how to build a more equitable world through entrepreneurship. I'm Becky Mollenkamp, a coach and journalist, and I'm excited to bring you stories of people who, like you and me, are trying to change the business landscape for good. Check out Feminist Founders wherever you listen to podcasts. One question, I was wondering about the mowing. I know you've got a very steep yard, you've got a little greenery, and Brian couldn't mow while his leg was encapsulated. We just kicked that can straight down the road. We did not mow until he got cleared to drive, and it worked out well enough because the really long grass is in our backyard. We can't see it, and the front yard's more shady, so our yard just looked a little jaggy and unkempt. But I, that was something I put on his plate of hire who you want to hire, do what you want to do, don't do what you want to do. Yeah, I just put that in his handle however he wants. That's perfect. And that's a good lesson, too, of you put that in his jurisdiction and then you walked away. So many times as home CEOs, we'll put something in somebody else's jurisdiction and then we'll try to mic- like backseat manage it. And it's, nope, if you're going to do that, you truly put your hands up and go, Yep. Okay. His choice is longer. I'm on board because that was his choice. I didn't. I will say chronic illness is something that does help you do that. Like I am the same way with our yard of like, I can't do it. So not my business. My husband takes care of the yard. I'm not going to worry about it because what am I going to do? Just nag him about it. I'm not going to go out and mow it. (laughs) The reality of life (laughs) does give you the ability 
you know, fix chronic illness for shutting that part off. Oh, for any tech listeners or gadget listeners, I did find two gadgets for anyone, but for the chronic illness people would enjoy this. One was we bought a stick vacuum. So it's mm. basically, I think everybody knows, but if you don't, it's like a little vacuum that's almost more meant to be used on hardwood floors. And that's been great because the kids can use it. And it's a novelty and it's faster than sweeping. And that's been great. And the other one was something I considered for honestly years. I finally bought it off of Amazon. So it's a handheld electronic scrub brush for cleaning. And it has like multiple of different levels of grit or smoothness or whatever, based on what surface you're cleaning. And that has been amazing because basically it takes the elbow grease out of whatever you're cleaning. So instead of like scrubbing the stain off the counter or scrubbing the lime off the sink handles, just turn it on and it does the work for you. And it's been so amazing. I love it. A pitch to anyone who needs some body release but still wants to clean, you should get one of the scrubbers. The other thing, uh, if, since we're making recommendations, don't be afraid to get a grabber. Oh, I have a grabber. Oh, yeah. Um, just love the I've grabber. I've got an upstairs grabber and a downstairs grabber. And we love the grabbers. And because there's less bending over. Like, it's those yeah. things that you don't think about that you're like, oh, the amount of energy it takes me to bend over and pick something up. Well, an orthostatic, and, but still. Yeah. Yeah. Bending uh, over is not a thing I should be doing. And an ongoing pitch for the block timer, which I've been using forever. And Sarah's talked about on her website or her Instagram or maybe both before. I was laughing because when I was getting the kids to do chores, it's like if you have a, a young kid and they get in the elevator and they want to push all the buttons. I thought to myself, well, I wonder if an 11 and a 13 year old, if I can talk this up enough that they will give a crap about who gets to flip the block timer. And I just talked it up enough. I was like, all right, you get to turn it to start and you get to turn it when the alarm goes off. All right, let's go. And I just mind ninjaed them into thinking it was like something fun to do. And so we've been using that for all of our chores. And I use it for my reading time too to get myself to read in small spurts. We have a block timer. It does not quite working because I need to figure it out because I gave Isaac the job of, okay, you get to do the timer. And then he was like, job done. And one continues to flip it over and over again. So I got to, I, I, I took it away and we're going to reposition. <laughs> but I was like, no, but you still have to help. Even I'm just done. The Easiest job isn't job the timer. <laughs> the privilege, it's not the totality. So yeah. <laughs> so you got to be thoughtful about it. I had this huge win yesterday. It felt like when things come full circle, and I'm like, yes. So summertime, the school, electronics have gotten a little heavy. So I'm like, hey, we need to rebalance the ledger here. We need to remember like electronics are not our sole purpose when we wake up in the morning. All by his own, my son came up with, he goes, let's do 20, 20, 20. We'll do 20 minutes of working out, some kind of physical or mental exercise. And then 20 minutes of work. Because we have all these like little tasks and projects to do. And he's, and then we get 20 minutes to relax. And I was like, wow. That is the kid of a home CEO right there. Because <laughs> I, I personally always, I always, I always want to relax at the end of the day when all my work is done. I never want to sit down until the very end. And honestly, when he takes his 20 minutes to relax, I just keep chugging along. But I was like, oh, and it worked out really well. We just kept going through the 20 minutes. Oh, wow. I just. They like full circled me. I don't know what to do with this. <laughs> We're over our time, but thank you, Sarah, for sharing, embarking on this journey. And because I, I know I've really gotten a lot out of it. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you to Sarah for helping come up with all the, the ideas too. Oh, yeah. And I'm so thankful for you to be willing to share. Like you're standing, I think the more people who realize just the different things that are going on with people and how we are all adapting and just accepting of that. And I know from being your friend, I learned so much about chronic health issues that I knew nothing about. And I've just become educated on that as well. And so again, when people who are listening, before you assume something about anyone else's home, 
you don't know what's going on behind health diagnosis, if their husband's leg is not mobile, if their son <laughs> broke a growth plate, like, I mean, you just never know. You just never know what's going on. So I appreciate that you were willing to share all those things that are going on to hopefully make a smoother road for others to be more accepting of others down the road. So thank you. It was the end of our journey with participant Sarah. So much good nuggets of information and wisdom and growing and learning. So I hope listeners out there got at least one thing out of that. Like we said in our intro episode, if you can just 1% growth, 1% joy spreading, 1% knowledge, we don't expect anyone to take away everything from this. That would be possible and ridiculous. So yeah, so I'm glad that we got to help her through this very interesting chapter in her life. And as we're at the end of our episode, we're going to do our moment of gratitude and Lacey, do you want to share? So I'm going to say I am grateful for women. I know that's a big category. Uh, I saw the Barbie movie recently, and I saw it with my fam- some of my family members, some aunts, cousins, one of my sisters. And then a few days later, we were at a party, and we had like a big discussion about it with those same people and other people who didn't go with us. And it was just lovely to have that conversation with a wide range of women. So like from my niece, who's 17, to my aunts, who are, I think, in their 60s. I don't know. They're not old in my mind, so I don't know. Just to talk about that and then talk about how some of the different things impacted us and how different generations took it. Just, oh, it was magical. And I just am so grateful for that experience of it, of being able to share that with women in my life in, in such a tangible way. I am feeling so grateful for Barbie. That is great. Women. I have not seen it yet, but on my trip I just took, I listened to an interview with the director and it was amazing to hear the evolution of how they wrote it, how it came to be and everything. And so, yeah, I got really excited even hearing the backstory around it. And I love that at one point she talked about how they were writing it during the shutdown. And she said, we just swung for the fences. You know, we didn't know if the world was ending. We had no idea. So we're like, hey, let's try this. And she said, like, gave them the freedom to go out there. And I was like, oh, yeah, it's so interesting to frame everything. So I am very excited to see the movie. I really enjoyed it. It also has very heavy themes that are in this podcast about no shame and being who you are and that kind of stuff. But lots of stuff that really directly relates to the work that I do over in the middle when it comes to feeling in between things and never being enough and being too much and trying to figure out your space in the world and figuring out how to be okay with it. Yeah, I big fan. It's in my mind. I also made myself a chronically ill Barbie shirt that's going to get delivered later that I'm too afraid to sell because I don't want Barbie to come like Mattel to come after me for breaching their copyright. So I just ordered it for myself and now I'm going to wear it all the time. That's <laughs> amazing. <laughs> I love that. But yeah, it's the other thing that I, I was telling my mom and I think I told this to my sister too or Joe, someone, I loved all the colors. I just had this moment where I was like, I... You don't see color like that in anything. And it really made me have this moment of, oh, we're going to get some color in this house. We're going to get some color going forward. Because just to see it, it made me so joyful. Another part of it is there's going to be more color in my world. I would also love more choreographed dance parties. But I feel like that's a little bit more of a a reach than getting more color. I'm trying to be realistic for what I can do in my world. Back to our very first episode where Lacey reveals how she got rug burns on her knees during her bachelorette party because she did a coordinated lip syncing dance to Backstreet Boys. I want it that way. Very much. I'm glad that real, very specific parts of my personality come out here. Of just That's where the good stuff is. I tell my kid all the time, if everyone was the same the world would not be interesting if everyone was the same. It just... This is the fun part. This is the juicy. I love it. What's making you grateful, Sarah? 
I mentioned I listened to that podcast because I went on a trip. So my son and I were able to go back and visit some friends. And it's one of those, I always call them the upside of tragedies. Like we hadn't been able to visit our friends in many years due to stuff beyond our control. But what was amazing about that was my son got to see the ocean, what felt like the first time for him, even though he had seen it when he was younger, he completely forgot. And so to watch him experience the joy of the ocean, he fell in love with the ocean. It oh. was, and the just, I mean, that the purest of joy on his face, like I couldn't stop smiling. And I don't know anyone listening or if you, Lacey, have ever witnessed somebody witness the ocean for the first time. <laughs> so beautiful. Oh, my gosh. I just, I won't even, I, I won't ever forget that. He just, he kept going out there. Our friend tried to teach us how to go um, fishing. And he was so kind and patient. My son listened and then he did three casts. And then he just, I could see him looking over at the waves. He just kept looking and then he goes, okay, I'm going to go into the ocean now. <laughs> and he was like, so happy. So that is my moment of gratitude that honestly will just stay with me every day because it was so beautiful. I'll do a little teaser that we've got a lot of exciting things happening at noshameinthehomegame.com. Merch, memberships, recommended products, things are happening. So I'm going to tease it for now. If you want to go look at the website, you can, but we'll talk more about it soon. But that's another thing I'm pretty excited about right now. I'm excited too. I went on vacation and I come back and Lacey's like, look what I've created. <laughs> it was like, it was so exciting for me to see. Yes, you are a wizard and a magician. And I am excited too. Cause if, again, if this can help people, I'm just so excited. And if we can get our people together and meet up online and form a community of support, yeah. I have this vision of a forum where people are like, I'm struggling with this part of my house. And then people are like, hey, this worked for us. This worked for yes. us. This worked for us. And just ideas. And Sarah and I have talked about maybe doing some Q&As every month with uh, a community so that you all can tap into her bright mind and my excitement. I was go. <laughs> so yeah, so we have all those exciting things coming and that are pretty cool. And we're excited to share with you. So make sure you're subscribed, listening, join the newsletter to get all that info as it comes out. Yes. Thank you so much, Lacey. Thank you, Sarah. Thanks for listening to No Shame in the Home Game. We hope you can take a little nugget to use in your own home. Remember to subscribe to the podcast in your player of choice, like us on social media, rate and review, and share with all of your friends. You can always visit joyfulsupportmovement.com to learn more about No Shame in the Home Game and the other Joyful Support podcasts. While you're there, you can join the newsletter or sign up for the Joyful Support Village. Now go out there and spread joy.